got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the drop on Bitcoin that we have seen ever since the beginning of the Bitcoin 2022 conference. As you guys know, the last Coffee and Crypto was on Tuesday of last week, but we are back and we are ready to discuss the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency markets. Bitcoin is down right now, sitting at $41,000. Cardano has dropped back below a dollar as of this morning, sitting at 95 cents, looking like it's forming a cup and handle formation and an inverse head and shoulders pattern that could rocket it all the way back to a dollar and 60 cents. Ethereum sitting right above $3,000, but right below critical support zone between $3,200 and $3,300. So all three of these cryptocurrency markets in a bit of a downturn. We're going to talk about why that may be occurring, what it has to do with the Bitcoin conference. And we're also going to be talking about several other stories having to do with Jack Mallers and one of his major announcements at Bitcoin 2022. Massive Bitcoin adoption story came out of one of the stages at Bitcoin 2022 on the third day of the conference. We're also going to be talking about the Federal Reserve news that came out a couple of days ago, how that caused a major sell-off in tech stocks. And we're going to be talking about major on-chain metrics, such as the inflows and outflows of cryptocurrency over the last couple of days around the Bitcoin exchanges. We have a lot to cover in today's episode, guys. We really want to get to the bottom of why Bitcoin is dropping and whether or not this is the end of the uptrend, or if this is just a phenomenal opportunity for you bulls to go out there and buy more Bitcoin before the blast off all the way to the moon. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, T.A. Tim. How you doing, Tim? What's up, everybody? I'm I'm glad to be back. It uh, it feels like it's been forever since we did the show. It was just yeah, last does, Tuesday, but real. that's almost a full week because it's Monday today. But I got a new jacket. It, it's it's a big jacket. Uh, I love it. It's comfortable. I kind of feel like a sorority girl though wearing a boyfriend's <laughs> jacket because it's pretty huge. But I'm brought to you today by Taylor's Outfitting. You'll never see the pants. Maybe I'm not wearing pants. You never know. He's actually uh, not got new pants, pants, new jacket. Yeah, same old hat though. It's a uh, yeah. It's true. Good to see. Good to see you guys, though. Sugarloaf, isn't that right? Yep, Sugarloaf. Yeah. Sugarloaf. You like snowboarding, huh? I do. I love it. Snowboarding's great. I want to go snowboarding again. Smay, we're also joined by you. How are you doing, buddy? Whoa, whoa! I'm here. I'm back. I'm back from Miami. It's very humid and hot, and I'm it glad is. to be back because now it's really kind of cool and perfect weather in Gainesville. All right. Um, I would like to uh, say some green names because I got to meet some of you guys there at the conference, and I it just made my heart flutter and made me so happy and filled with love and happiness. And I want to read some of these green names just to kind of give that back. We got Crypto Alchemist, Sultan of Salt. We got Colin McDonald. We got Win Peoples. We got Matt C. Love to see you there at the conference, Matt C. Tom Wilkes. Got to see Tom Wilkes at the conference. Siobhan Golay. Uh, Thomas Post. Dennis Pizarka. Uh, who else we got? Who else we got? Oh, I'm going to dig, dig, dig. Ricardo Vinegas. Oh, who else we got? Uh, let's dig, dig, dig. dig. Uh, Mario Dohinovich. Uh, Cryptofer. Uh, uh, who else we got? Here, here we go. Uh, the Bitcoinologist. Uh, 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 let's dig, dig, dig. Uh, Terran Crypto. Uh, Crypto Red Fox. Oh, all of you guys. I love seeing all you guys. It's great. Uh, Brad Geidel, shout out to you. Got to see you. Yeah, it was great to, to see you. Uh, and uh, yeah, there we go. It was a great conference, guys. We're going to talk a little bit about it later on in the show. But for now, we need to go ahead and talk about the price action of Bitcoin. I know you guys are all wondering, why is Bitcoin crashing? At least that might be what you're saying. We don't necessarily believe that Bitcoin is crashing. I personally think that it's in a major correction. But the reason that we titled it, why is Bitcoin crashing, is because a lot of people think Bitcoin's crashing. I don't think Bitcoin's crashing. I don't think Bitcoin's burning. I think it is just going through healthy consolidation. We're going to talk about all of that and more in today's video. Before we get started, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe to the number one technical analysis channel on YouTube for cryptocurrencies. We cover technical analysis, on-chain analysis, and fundamental analysis every single day here on the Crypto Jeb channel. So make sure to subscribe and hit that post notification bell. But let's go ahead and jump on over to CoinMarketCap. As you can see, Bitcoin trading at $41,000. Before we left for the conference, Bitcoin was trading up here close to $48,000. It was in an ascending wedge. And I believe on the last day of Coffee and Crypto before we left last week, we had talked about how this ascending wedge could very easily break to the downside. And if it did, then we would likely see it drop all the way back down to this uptrending level of support around $40,000. Well, sure enough, on the first day of the conference, April 6th, Bitcoin dropped from $46,000 all the way down to $43,000. And in doing so, Bitcoin began a downtrend that we are now continuing. The question on everyone's mind is, where's the bottom? And is there going to be a bottom anytime soon? We have certain people in the cryptocurrency space calling for a $30,000 Bitcoin, including the BitMEX founder, Arthur Hayes 
days saying that we could see 30K on Bitcoin by June. Is that going to happen or is Bitcoin just in a small correction event before it continues the major uptrend? Well, let's also look at the rest of the cryptocurrency markets. Ethereum is currently sitting at 30, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, $3,050. We got Binance Coin sitting at 404, price not found. Tell me if you get that reference, probably you do. Solana sitting at $100, 103, excuse me. Cardano sitting at 95 cents. Luna is down as well. That's an interesting one. As you know, Luna hit all-time high relatively recently. It was not long ago that it hit an all-time high of 20, $120. It has been in a correction down 30% in six days. A lot of gains getting wiped out over there. Like I said, one of the big topics we want to cover in today's stream is should we be scared of this correction or is this actually just a healthy consolidation event? You guys know I'm going to tell it to you straight. While I was at the conference, I actually met a gentleman who was driving by in a Mercedes and he rolled down his window and was like, Jeb, I watch your show every day. I talked to him for a little bit and he was like, Jeb, the thing I like about your channel, and this is not just me, that Tim does this, May does this, Kelly does this, T-Shroom does this, this is what we all try to do, is that we try and shoot you straight. I don't want to tell you, hey, everything's going to be just fine if I actually think it's going to go down $15,000. So we're going to tell you what we really think here in a little bit. I'm just going to tell you right away, I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be, though. Terra USD sitting at $1. Hopefully that doesn't change too much. That's kind of the point of it. Polkadot sitting at $18 and change. Tim, before we get into our Bitcoin technical analysis, what was your major takeaway from the conference. You know, price started dropping a lot while we were at the conference. Yeah. How did that affect the mood on the floor at the conference? And based on that, what can you extrapolate about what the price is going to do? I don't know if anyone at the conference was Full actually screen. really paying attention to the price. It was a lot of, and this is what I'll say, it was a lot of hype. The, the conference was a lot of hype. And, and to be fair, that's probably what we should have expected. Like we sat in one and I love them, but Michael Saylor and Kathy Wood did a take. They, they gave a, a keynote speech. And it was good. I think Kathy said something I hadn't heard before, but it wasn't really that significant. As a whole, it sounded like they were talking to people who were sitting on a fence. And and to be fair, we met probably, what, two or three people who didn't own Bitcoin who were at the conference. So for them, it was probably really huh. great. But for me, I was sitting there like, this is all stuff we know. If you own Bitcoin, especially a significant amount of Bitcoin, you would have known this. But... Okay, that's cool. You know, I, I guess more it, people like hearing what they already think, so they get really you know uh, excited about it. Um, that wasn't the best one. I thought Jack Mallers was good. I know we're gonna talk about that later in the show. I think it's really interesting what came from that, and there's more to dive into that. But that's really interesting. But as a whole, I think the best thing about that conference, and really that's what conferences are made for, is to get to meet people, especially yeah. you guys. Like the few of you I got, I got to meet. That was that made the whole trip worth it for me. Um, but yeah, that was, I would say it wrapping it up all in a nutshell. The conference was a lot of hype. People didn't really pay attention to the price. They're paying attention to the future of Bitcoin. So for that, it was good hype. It was actually true hype, but it was, uh, yeah, that's my take on it. Well, Smay, what was your take on the conference? Did you learn anything new? Did you, what, do you have any cool stories from the conference? Well, I mean, the first thing I noticed, oh, first of all, I, uh, I really loved the, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson fireside chat. That was, that great. was really good. That, that was, was the only one that wasn't hype. Yeah. I really liked that one. Cause it's like very, very, uh, shot straight. I yeah. think, uh, to be honest with you, the first thing I noticed is how young the industry is as a whole, right? Like you look at all these businesses and they all kind of have the same style branding. Half of them are doing the exact same thing. And it's like, it's very interesting because it's like, this is such a young, enthusiastic, and the thing that I even notice is a lot of the leaders of these companies are very, very, very young dudes. True. That are that are like they're noobs basically, and but in that they're very, they're very. Uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit, and I thought it was very fascinating. I really, I really enjoyed that kind of vibe and energy, and it really made me realize that this is this is a seed right now. Uh, that's going to grow into a giant oak tree. And I think it's going to be it, that to me very resonated with me of saying like, actually there's so much potential here because everything, mm. everybody's so young, everybody's so young and passionate. Uh, there's uh, this, there's a lot of room to grow here, which I think is very, really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I think getting to, getting to meet all of these wonderful people uh, was another very, very fun thing. Getting to hang out with all these great uh, all the other youtubers and getting to hang out with all of our all of our good friends that view us and watch us every day that was very very uh inspiring and made me want to come back and uh do the stream even better so that was great 
Well, the thing I liked about the conference the most, and then we're going to go ahead and jump into our technical analysis on Bitcoin and move through a couple of other subjects, was that it made it all feel real. You know, sometimes when we come in this room and we do coffee and crypto, and I look down, I have it on my screen right now. I'm watching the stream as I'm talking to you guys so I can see the chat. We look on our stream and we say, okay, 1,500 people are watching. We know this video will get 25,000 views, more than likely. The channel gets 25,000 views a day. It's got 21 million views. When you look at numbers like that, it's very hard to make that seem real. It's really hard to internalize just the power that our voice has and that's both very scary but also very empowering because one it means we have a very heavy responsibility on our shoulders here at the crypto jeb team because a lot of people are listening to us but it's also very empowering because meaning you guys at the conference we have been able to help a lot of people and that's not through our power that's through the that's through the power of the lord who's blessed us very very much so i don't take credit for that but i'm very thankful that we're able to pour into you guys lives so my biggest takeaway from the conference was that it really made the whole thing feel even more real than it was. Because I'm sitting here talking to a camera, but I'm also talking to several thousand of you at the same time. But you guys are seeing me, but I can't see you. So being able to see you guys at the conference really made everything materialize in a way that is just so very empowering and made us really feel very hopeful for the future. And the other thing I'll say is that at the conference, we got to meet a lot of very, very big names that everybody thinks are super, super important. And, you know, they are important. I got to interview Kevin O'Leary. That was great. You guys will see that interview on the channel in a little bit. I walked by Mike Novogratz like 25 times. There was a, a Ricardo Salinas. He's worth seven, $13 billion was in the room next to the room where we were doing an interview. You saw all these big names, you know, Safadian Amos. I bumped shoulders with Safadian. What's that? I, I bumped shoulders with him. Someone asked really? in chat to Siobhan Gole. He said, what is the biggest surprise you, you didn't take away? I said, actually, is the height yeah. of people. Some yeah, people I know. Were, some people were way taller than you thought they were going to yep. be. Some people were shorter. Um, Safadian. He's a little the, dude. The Alt brothers are like 6'2 and 6'3. And then you got DZ from the ATB crew. He's like 6'4. I didn't yeah. know he was that tall. Anyway, my point is, it really made it all real. And you had all these big names that everybody knows. And then you had a lot of people that you meet. And they don't have a following. Or if they do, it's a very small following. And you're like, wow, wait a second. This person is known by 25 million people. This person is known by 25 people. And they are both so incredibly fascinating. One of my favorite conversations that I had in the entire trip was with a woman named Tina, who nobody knows who this woman is. She's just a person. You know, but I had such an amazing conversation with her, and it really made me realize, which I already knew this, but it reinforced the fact that no matter how rich, no matter how famous, no matter how successful you are, what you have to say matters. And I learned so much from the from the, the people that you wouldn't think that you went to the conference to see because you didn't know they existed. So that's what I learned is that... There are some of the most humble people are the people out there that don't have a following, and they're some of the people that have the most important things to say. Anyway, I think I'm rambling enough. Let's go ahead and jump on into some Bitcoin technical analysis here. As you guys know, Bitcoin has been in a drop for the last... Uh, six, seven days and change. We were sitting up here at $47,000 before the conference began. Over the last six days, we are down almost 14%. Why is that happening? Where is Bitcoin going? These are the questions of the Coffee and Crypto Hour. So what we are seeing is that Bitcoin was in a rising wedge. You can see that there was an uptrending level of resistance and an uptrending level of support there. I'm going to do a little bit of a refresh for you because we have not seen this chart on this channel ever since last Tuesday. Bitcoin obviously had been in a major correction since November 10th. We have now, as of a couple of weeks ago, March 29th, set new higher highs into place, and we have higher lows in place, which means that over the course of this year thus far, Bitcoin is technically in an uptrend. We are setting higher highs and higher lows. That is wonderful. But when we are setting higher highs and higher lows, we are going to have corrections from time to time. I told you guys that I want to see Bitcoin get above $50,000 and stay above $50,000 confidently for 7 to 10 days. I want to see it stay up there and really start pushing up towards levels like 54, 55, 56. And then we're going to be confident in an all-time high run. Until then, Bitcoin may be in an uptrend, but it is in a slow uptrend. And we should be expecting small corrections such as the one we are in right now. A couple of things to point out. Number one, we do have Bitcoin falling below the 20 weekly, uh, sorry, the 20 daily exponential moving average. You haven't seen me use this moving average much this year so far because Bitcoin has been trading sideways. But for all of our longtime fans, you will know that Bitcoin and its 20 exponential moving average is one of my favorite technical indicators in CT2A, which is now evolving into Club DeFi in both of those courses excuse me, in the course that's CT2A and in the, the platform and the community that's Club DeFi, we talk about the 20 EMA. It's a very, very important moving average. We are below it now, meaning we are in a short-term downtrend to a longer-term uptrend. So remember, guys, there are primary, secondary, and tertiary movements. The primary movement that Bitcoin is in right now is a bull market. The primary movement is a movement that lasts on the order of years. If we look at the secondary movement, the secondary movement is was actually a downtrend, but now the secondary movement to the bull market is actually an uptrend because 
because we're in this uptrend right here. It's the smaller movement within the longer term bull market that Bitcoin is in. But then on the tertiary, primary means first, secondary means second, tertiary means third, tertiary means third. It starts with T, so that's how you remember that. The tertiary movement is to the downside. The tertiary movement is going against the secondary movement. It's not a bad thing. It's just a fact. What that means, and the reason I say that is because I want you to remember we're in a bull market, we're in an uptrend, but we're in a shorter term correction. That means that we should not be overly concerned about this small correction. Being below the 20 daily EMA for the span of six days is not something that we should be scared of. Instead, we should be looking for levels of support that may show up in just the next couple of days. The first one that jumps out at us is this uptrend right here, and it also jumps out because it is currently representing $40,000 flat. So our most obvious level of support that we have is $40,000 where Bitcoin might be caught. On top of that, if we bring up the VPVR, we're not necessarily going to see one specific major level of support. Uh, um, but what we are going to see is that there is a massive zone of support starting at $40,000. And we can even see the VPVR maximum sitting at $39,000. So I'll go ahead and draw another line right there. If we go ahead and get rid of VPVR, that is the volume profile of the visible range, by the way. That is just a moving, I'm sorry, not a moving average. That is the technical indicator that shows us how much support the Bitcoin price has at different prices based on how much the market has traded there and the volume that was traded at that level. So notice within this area that I have right here, we've had a ton of trading. And if we were to bring up our volume, we also had a ton of volume in these times that we were trading here. You see in these instances, we saw a lot of volume and we also had a lot of trading. That's what the VPVR constitutes. But then up here, for example, in the very top area. We have a very small amount of trading that took place there, and we also have a very small amount of volume that took place there. So that's why the VPVR looks like that. Just wanted to explain VPVR for you for a second. But VPVR basically gives us another level of support at 39K. If we draw a rectangular level of support, boom, we got our catchment area. If Bitcoin continues to go to the down uh, to the downside, we're likely going to see it get caught between $39,000 and $40,000. Tim, would you agree that that is the zone that we should be looking at for the bottom on Bitcoin? Absolutely, because there's a couple other things that are kind of throwing it, uh, throwing that level back out. And I have the Luxago up here. I know you're probably going to talk about that in a minute. Yep. We did have a sell signal on the daily chart, uh, but notice none of the candles have turned red. They're purple. Uh, the trend catcher is still green. I think that what we're seeing right now, we talked about this last week as we got a little bit farther away from that trend catcher. We also bumped our head on that a reversal zone, that red reversal zone. This was to be expected. Now, whether it, I thought it was going to come down this far, maybe not, but it did happen. But significantly, if I you know pull that Luxago away, we got a couple different things showing up here on the daily chart. The first one is, even though we thought we were done with it, look at this ascending level of support right here. We're coming back down and touching this level. And as you guys have known, you guys have been watching over the morning, you know, we came down here in the middle of it. We came down below 40. Uh, we never got below 40,000, below 41, but uh, we're hovering right here on the daily chart. We're also down at the bottom of the Bollinger Bands on the daily chart. So those are both levels of kind of saying, hey, it might be time to have some uh, support rallying right there. But the third and last one I'm looking at, and it's not finished yet because we could have candles continue to go down. But just so you guys know, we have hidden bullish RSI divergence forming at the moment. And what I mean by that is I'm looking at this point right here. I'm going to grab my, my candle right there, just, even though I have a support zone. At the moment, this level right here, 37,600. We are still well above 37,600. And yet at the same time in the RSI, we are are now going down. So could there be more to the downside to continue that hidden bullish RSI divergence? Absolutely. But the point stands that we are setting that up. And this is an indication that this was just a recovery from a rally. And yes, there's news and fundamentals that had to do with it. But technically speaking, from a technical analysis standpoint, we're actually sitting in zones with multiple things kind of saying, hey, guys, it might be time for a uh, recovery period. I completely agree. And I actually hadn't noticed that hidden bullish RSI divergence. Good job there, Tim. I just want to reiterate what he said. That is very, very important. RSI divergence is very rarely wrong. You need to keep in mind that different technical indicators have different, uh, they're useful to different degrees. RSI divergence is normally very, very accurate. What we see here is that there's an uptrend on the bottoms right here on the RSI, downtrend on the bottoms right there, unless Bitcoin gets below 37K, that RSI divergence is going to remain intact and it's gonna bring Bitcoin more than likely back to the upside. That is a great sign. Now, I do also wanna mention what he said about Lux Algo because Lux Algo, if you don't know, is in my opinion, the most powerful trend indicator that there is in the entire cryptocurrency space. We've talked about on the channel how if you look at confirmed, I'm not talking about just all of them, confirmed, and I'll explain that term in a minute, confirmed Lux Algo buy signals on the three daily chart, 
There have been 13 in the history of Bitcoin. One of them just happened about a week and a half ago, so we don't know how that's going to play out. The other 12, 11 of them were right. So that is over a 90% accuracy rate. And if you look at Lux Algo's time where it was not accurate in 2018, it only resulted in a 7 to 8% drop, depending on how you measure the candlesticks. Lux Algo is a ridiculously powerful technical indicator in the way that I use it. If you don't have Lux Algo, you should sign up for it. Use the link in the description box down below. We actually got the pleasure of having lunch with, with Sean, the CEO and founder of Lux Algo. It's a phenomenal technical indicator. It has a very, very great founder and CEO who genuinely just wants to help you guys make more money. Definitely a product you ought to pick up. Use coupon code Jeb, J-E-B-B, for 20% off a checkout. But that's not the point. The point is we did have a sell signal right here, which should give us pause and say, okay, it looks like Bitcoin might be going through a small correction. The thing is, though, at the moment, anyway, Bitcoin has not seen a red trend tra uh, trend catcher. Notice how the trend catcher moves around here. It normally stays pretty flat, and then it'll have quick, sharp movements like that. It has not had a red movement, but if it does, then that would be a confirmed downtrend because we have Lux Oscillator down here red. We have a, we have a sell signal. The way I use this indicator is I look for a, is a, a signal, which is a, strong, which is a, a green or a red signal that says buy or sell or strong. Trend Catcher changes the same color, and Lux Oscillator, which is right down here, changes the same color. I want to see all three of those. What that does is that weeds out false signals because yeah. sometimes you will get a sell signal or a buy signal that is not really all that important. It's not actually valid. A good example is a sell signal right here. The market was not done rallying. When we saw the sell signal over here, we dropped. How did that? How did we weed out these false signals? Well, the Trend Catcher, which is right here, stayed green. It never turned red, so I ignored that sell signal, but I paid attention to this one. This one was the one that actually ended up being important. That's why we weed out uh, signals and use different parts of the indicator to confirm itself. So far, this is not a confirmed sell signal. If we drop down here between 39 and 40K, it probably will be a confirmed sell signal. That could signify us going back down to 30, uh, 37. I don't think that's likely, however. I think we will bounce uh, around 40 or maybe a little bit lower. I could very easily see us going a little bit lower than that, but we'll probably get caught in this zone down here. Furthermore, as far as the bounce is concerned, guys, I think based on the fundamentals that we will see a bounce in the next couple of days, probably in the next week or so around the 40K region. However, I do have one concern and I wanna make sure I share this with you because if this does happen, this is why. If Bitcoin does start going below 39 and it starts dropping harder, as BitMEX CEO uh, that we'll talk about here in a second, Arthur Hayes says, you could see 30K by the end of June. If that occurs, here's why. Interest in the cryptocurrency space is at a probably about a one to two year low. If you look at all the YouTube channels on YouTube, right now, pretty much every single um, content creator in the cryptocurrency space has completely stopped growing. That's not because they're not making good content. There are many amazing content creators in the YouTube space. I've managed to meet, I've, I've already known many of them, but I met, got to meet a lot of them in person at the conference, a lot of them have stopped growing. The reason that that is because there's not much new interest coming into the space. So if Bitcoin does go through a drop, understand that it's likely because of a lack of interest from the outside world. We have whales coming in, we have institutions coming in, but the retail is not really coming into the cryptocurrency space and getting as exuberant and, ex and as excited about it right now as they were a year ago. That's not a bad thing. That just means that Bitcoin is going through a period of maturation where it continues to grow without needing retail hype and FOMO. But it does mean that in the short term, we're looking at the next one to four, maybe eight weeks, we could see a continued drop on Bitcoin as a result of the interest in the space continuing to dry up. I personally think that we're going to bounce within the next two to $3,000 to the downside. But if we don't, and we do continue going to the downside, and we don't actually manage to continue this uptrend, it will likely be because of a lack of retail interest. What are your outlooks on the rest of this quarter, Tim. Do you think Bitcoin is going to bounce a couple thousand dollars to the downside from here, or are we going to see another month or two of downtrend as a result of lack of retail interest? Oh, good, 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 good. That's a great question. Uh, it's. It, I was talking with someone earlier, and, and I was, they asked, well, Tim, when do you think that it'll finally rally? I don't know. And, and here's the reason why I don't know. Uh, the charts have shown on longer time frames that we're ready for a while now. Uh, the weekly definitely has shown that we're ready. When you get to the daily, the four hourly, it gets a little bit more unclear. And I don't think you need to go to my chart on this one, Sman, unless you're already there. Um, what I think is gonna happen 
is that we do not know when, but when it finally launches, it will be, I, I even compared, I was like, you know, the same way Jesus, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. He's coming back like a thief in the night. I think Bitcoin's going to rally like a thief in the night. Uh, I, I think that the longer we get suppressed, that more likely we will see something happen similar to what we saw at the end of fall of 2020 slash early 2021, where we had been suppressed. There was a black swan event that happened there, the pandemic. And some people talk about what happened earlier this year. Some people call it a black swan event. Some people say it's not. Depends on what your definition of black swan event is. But Bitcoin's been ready for a while, but it's been being suppressed by some outside factor. I do think that news will come soon. And I don't know what the definition of soon is, but soon that will bring a lot of bullish attention to institutional money is going to be in the space. But as far as when, I don't know. I, I think there's a very realistic opportunity for, like, I think you could just as easily say this next quarter, we're going to get back up over 50 and start heading towards 60. And in the same same probability, you could say we're going to stay in this little sideways movement. I think the least likely is the drop down to 20. And I've seen people say, oh, we're still going down to 20,000. Just watch that. I think of the three options is the least likely. I think I think it's pretty tied between go ahead and shooting up to the 50s and 60s and staying in this kind of 30 to higher 40s range uh, for the rest of the quarter. But it, it's one of those things you got to keep finding out. You got to keep following what's happening. The fear and greed index right now just shot back down. Uh, it was, we reached all the way up as high as, uh, what is this, 60 here at the end of March. We're now back down into the lower 30s. So that's kind of bullish right there. But we we had so much hype coming. We had so much bullish stuff happening. And then the Fed comes out and gives their announcement. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But it, it kind of suppressed the price but now the price is back down in a great buy zone could the institutions choose this could it have been a fake out like two fake outs do we see a do we see a fake out down low that sent us up high then then we had a bear trap right there bringing down to a or sorry, bull trap right there coming down to a bear trap there's so many unknowns and i wish i could give a sure absolute answer but i do know for those who wait and continue to hold and refuse to lead the space when the time comes and Bitcoin does go, like I said, like a thief in the night, you'll be very happy that you were patient and you were ready and you got as much supply as you could at these lower levels. Let me tell you a little story and then we're going to move into our discussion. I met a guy at the, I met a man, excuse me, at the conference that was massively ahead of his time. His name was Jonathan and he founded a company called Bitwage. It's not sponsored. But I met him there, and he founded this company. This company basically allows for payroll in Bitcoin so that you can you know, get paid in Bitcoin, and it works on the company on the corporate side, B2B. And the interesting thing was he founded this company in 2014. This dude was so far ahead of his time that he founded a company that allows you to pay your employees in magic internet money, which is what, it th which is what everybody thought it was in 2014. Everybody basically would have looked at this guy and said, yeah, so you're trying to pay people in riot points. You're trying to pay people in whatever the, in, in Fortnite bucks, whatever they're called. You're trying to pay people in gold bars from Minecraft. That's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to pay people in internet money. Okay, dude. Yeah, right. He was so far ahead of his time. Now his company is the one that's kind of leading this whole paying people in Bitcoin thing. What I want to tell you is that you might be that guy that everybody's laughing at. And you might be that guy who you're so far ahead of the curve here in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that you don't even realize how big of an opportunity you have. And if you walk away now just because Bitcoin is boring for a little while, because I'm not going to lie to you guys, trading sideways is not the most interesting thing in the world. But if you walk away because you got bored, I can virtually guarantee that you're going to regret it in 10 years because there is so much opportunity here. I don't want you to miss out on it. Make sure you hit that like button. Let's get to 750 uh, likes here in the next couple of minutes. And let's go ahead and check out some of these super chats. Yes. Yeah, and we get over here. All right. We got one from... M Weeds, I think, is how that would be pronounced. Hey, Jebis, Binance.us is holding funds hostage unless you agree for them to uh, send your biometrics to a third party. What are your thoughts? I am not familiar with that story, I and don't that have definitely US. sounds very controversial. So... I don't have a problem having an opinion with that, but I don't know enough about what's going on to have an opinion. I would love so. to see in chat who has Binance.us and have you run into those same problems. But uh, yeah, we'll have to look more into that one, M-Weeds. Uh, Cryptoverse, uh, he said, BitBoy said it yesterday, which I agree with. Jack Mallard, uh, I think mean, he meant Mallard, uh, talk felt like he was talking about XRP. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? I, I didn't get to see the entire thing. I came in a little bit late. I mean, he clearly was talking about Bitcoin, but I, I guess I'm. What would Cryptoverse be meaning there? Because was he saying talking like XRP, meaning that Bitcoin's going to now, through the power of Strike and through Lightning and everything, be able to 
obliterate XRP because of the use case? I don't, I don't know what he's saying there, but clearly uh, he was talking about Bitcoin, but I don't know. You know I'm not sure. I don't see it. That. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. I don't see it. Now, saying. there was something else that, that Ben said that I, I kind of agreed with, but we can get into that in the discussion later. Yeah. Daniel Contillo. Is it Cantillo or Cantillo? Because there's two L's, and it, if it's Cantillo. Hispanic, it would be Cantillo. Cantillo. It's probably Cantillo. Good morning, guys. Please take a look at a new project called Philcoin. Its fundamentals are mind-blowing. I believe this can be Bitcoin's baby brother. We'll yeah. see. You know, I'll have to look more into Philcoin. That's not, we'll a, I know a not guy one named I've Phil. even heard of. I know a guy named Phil. I wonder if he's the one that founded that. And then uh, with the last one I see here, Tom Wilkes. Which, Whoa, Tom, gosh. buddy. Tom is He the gave man. the $20 back. Tom is the man. <laughs> Said I, I'm like, he did. <laughs> Jeb signed a 20 which is weird. Tom had you sign a fiat bill. I know. But, you know, it's you know well, signature. I think it was a part. The, he mentioned that it was a part of, and correct me if I'm wrong. He said Tom, he had a collection. It, it was like a collection of people that he would beat do in golf. bets. Like, yeah, he, he, said he, had a, he, had, he said he had a bunch of framed $20 bills from people they beat in golf. That's what That's he said. Cool. That's pretty cool. So anyway, you got added to the list. He, okay. he he said, I can't express in words. You all know how shy and how quiet I am, uh, I don't which know. is uh, not the truth. <laughs> how much I enjoyed meeting you all in Miami. Tim, please reach out to me offline when you get a free minute. Absolutely. It was a I great would, time. I would time. love to just spend, like, just Matt C., Tom Wilkes, Brad Geidel. We got to spend a lot I of time with, with them. them. Uh, I, I wish I, I wish we could spend more. Yeah. Hey, so. by the way, guys, I'm not Tom. Obviously, would never brag about this, but I'll brag on him. He paid for both of our lunches on the last two days of the conference, Big on baller. day three and day four. There were ten people at each lunch, and these were not inexpensive restaurants. I have no idea what the tab was. I'm kind of scared to know, but he probably spent like. $800 on all of our food. So shout out to Tom Wilkes, Tom's guys. Man. Thank you so very much. That's like, that's not a super chat that people are going to see, but I want to go ahead and give you a shout out. Good for you, dude. Brad Geidel did some uh, laughy cry faces in chat. Shout out to you, Brad. It was a great time talking to you about the gospel and about Isaiah 53. What we're going to do now, because I think we got all the super chats. Yeah. Did we? We're going to so go far. ahead and move into talking about the Fed. So Tim, can you kick off this conversation real quick for me? And I'm yeah, going to pull so up an article. The, the reason the reason why this the, took us off a little bit was because it happened, uh, on, I think it happened technically Tuesday. This article is from Wednesday, though. We left Tuesday and kind of got our mind focused on the conference and make sure we we're doing that. But the Fed officials, I don't. You can go to my screen real quick, Smay, and then Jeb can take it off. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But Fed officials plan to shrink the balance sheet by 95 billion dollars a month. Meeting minutes indicate. So there's two points here, and then we'll can discuss them. The key points: Fed officials reached consensus at their March meeting that they would begin to reducing the central bank balance sheet by 95 billion a month, likely to begin in May. And then the other one is there's also some strong indications that half percentage point or 50 base points interest rate increases are ahead. We kind of knew that, but it seems like that is continuing to happen. So, uh, Jeb, I'll throw it back to you to let you kind of take off the discussion. But this is big and this is probably why, again, we saw a dip in the price starting on Tuesday. And then again, it got even worse on Wednesday. Yeah. So the Fed is in a really tough spot right now. They're kind of between a rock and a hard place because if they don't act, then the, then the dollar is going to keep inflating in a massive way. But if they do act, then it hurts the economy because the way that you get the economy growing, at least from a, from a, from a Keynesian model of economics, which is a flawed model of economics, the way that you get the economy moving is you literally get the economy moving. You get money moving. GDP is a metric of how quickly money circulates, but that's really not the major measure of wealth generation and creation because one of the things that Safadian almost talks about in his book, The Bitcoin Standard, which is basically the standard for Bitcoin. It's probably why it's called The Bitcoin Standard. You should probably read that book if you haven't already. One of the things he talks about in that book is that as you build a more and more complex socioeconomic model, as you build a more and more complex society and economy, in other words, the longer time horizon you need with your capital. You might need to save up money for 10 years to buy a home because a home in 2022 is a much more complex system than a dirt shack that was built in 6000 BC. You know what I mean? So you have to build up and save your wealth for longer. What Keynesian economics don't understand is that they want to measure how quickly money circulates. So this is a very foundational problem in our current economy because it has an underpinning principle that when you circulate money and the faster you spend money, the better, when in fact, to grow your money, oftentimes you need to not have this instant gratification mindset that Keynesian economics promotes, but you need to have a delayed gratification mindset that oftentimes that Austrian economics or someone like Safadian Amos would promote. You need to give yourself time to build wealth. You have to understand that it takes time. Why is this important to the Federal Reserve? Well, the Federal Reserve wants to prevent 
a recession happening right now as a result of slamming shut the entire economy for a year and and putting hundreds and hundreds of millions of people around the world being put out of business. They want to prevent a recession from something that should have caused a recession. And by the way, it is causing a recession. You just don't realize it because the economy is getting inflated and there's so much money being pumped into it. I digress. They want to cover up this recession that's going on behind the scenes by printing money so that they don't get egg on their face and also so that the economy doesn't totally collapse because what we're doing right now is there's a bullet hole and we keep putting band-aid after band-aid after band-aid on it and after the blood soaks through and we start saying, wow, we should probably do something about this. Instead of pulling the band-aid off, which will be extremely painful, don't get me wrong, instead of pulling the band-aid off and going in there with sutures and actually fixing it the right way, which is building an economy on sound money, instead what we want to do is just keep slamming band-aids on there and eventually it's going to get infected and it's going to destroy the body, it's going to destroy the economy and instead of having one recession that might last two years that, yes, would be bad. We're going to have a massive depression at some point in the future because we have undermined the entire foundation of our economy, which is our money and its saleability across time. So the, what the Fed is doing right here is it's stuck between a rock and a hard place. It either has to continue printing money, has to continue having interest rates really low so that it can keep putting Band-Aids on that bullet hole, or it can stop putting Band-Aids on a little while and try to actually do something to the wound, which is what they're doing right now, by stopping the money printing, by raising the interest rates, and allowing the economy to recover in a more healthy way. In the long run, what they're doing here, tapering inflation, tapering bond purchasing and yields and all this, and raising yields is actually a very good thing for the economy. This is what they need to be doing. In the short term, however, what you're seeing is more blood coming out. You're seeing more pain. That is not because what they're doing is actually the wrong thing. It's because when you do surgery, it looks very painful, and it is very painful, but there's no antiseptic. So I'm taking this analogy kind of far. But my point is, them raising interest rates and them tapering bond purchasing is actually what what needs to happen, but it's definitely not very, very comfortable. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on that? Is that uh, is the Federal Reserve making the right move here, or should they just continue down the route of putting more Band-Aids on the wound? I, I think that when you Full said screen. that they uh, are between a rock and a hard place, that's the perfect way to think about this. But here's the problem, is that the world is never going to be fair. I think even, uh, you know, Peterson talked about this in the in the keynote speaking he gave. He said, if you don't think that there's any bad that comes with a good, you're fooling yourselves. The truth is the way the reason there are winners is also because there are losers. And he kind and he of said there's I think he said, he said losers. He said the reason people are successful is because others fail. The good news is, is if you have a good economy and you have a good system for building, when you fail, you can get back up and try again and succeed later. But the whole point that makes the economy so strong is when there's an ability to fail. And what's happened is, is when you say rock and hard place, the, for the economy to do well, people have to fail. And, and I don't want to get into all the details of why, but I, I think most of you can understand for the economy to do well, for real competition and for strong capitalism, which breeds great uh, economy, there has to be some failure. But if you try to keep people from failing, when you're bailing out businesses, when you're bailing out people, as much as the pandemic was hurting on a lot of people, the government's decision to say, well, let's go ahead and just send out checks, it solved an immediate problem, but what it did was it did not allow failure, yep. and therefore now we have to pay the consequences. And people knew this, most of you knew this. When we were receiving those checks, who thought that there wasn't gonna be a pay the consequence later? Most, thing people, happening? most people thought we that, knew most it was people happening. don't understand it. But that's the rock and the hard place. Do we keep what is good for our economy long-term, or do we, do we bail out people that are struggling? And they chose, let's bail out struggle, and now we're reaping the consequences. And, and, and I'm okay with that, but we need to understand if you didn't think, there will always be consequences. There will always be negative sides. That's the whole point of the United States, even in the beginning, I love about it, the right to uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But a lot of people leave that word pursuit out, mm -hmm. and they think you have the right to life, liberty, and happiness. Mm -hmm. That's not true. And you can replace that word happiness with success or with prosperity. Like, you have the right to life, to liberty, and the pursuit. And sometimes the pursuit ends in failure. But the mm -hmm. good news is, is that the system allows you to get up and try again. So I, I said this before weeks ago, I actually was kind of rooting for the Fed to get a little more aggressive because yeah, they're too. finally saying there's a problem, there's a consequence, let's deal with this consequence now rather than continue to kick the can down the road. That's my opinion on it. Natural law is one of the ideas that the, U, that the United States was founded on. I believe it was, uh, who am I thinking, John Locke. What that was talking about in natural law, if a gazelle walks up to the watering hole because it wants water, it has the natural right to pursue water, right? It does not have a right to water. 
be clear on that. It does not have a right to water. It has the right to pursue water. Now, the lion also has the right to come up and eat the gazelle. Now, obviously, we're not talking about in a human system. That's not something that we do in human systems. But in the natural world, that gazelle has the right to pursue water. That doesn't mean that it's going to always get the water. So Tim makes a very, very good point. It's what the United States, and by the way, the entire free world was founded on, and we've completely forgotten that word pursuit, and it has led to so many existential problems in this world. So real quick, I want to bring you a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to talk a little bit about more about uh, interest rates. Really quickly, I want to bring you a word from CoinChange. This is a company that we are very, very excited to be doing business with. Just want to read you a couple notes here. You can become a successful DeFi investor much more simply by using a company like CoinChange that you want to use CoinChange. In just two clicks, you can be using their mobile app and be gaining yields. This is a method of doing yield farming. I actually have their website up over here. You can take a look at this. You can calculate your yields and you can earn very high yields on popular tokens like USD Coin, Tether, Dai, Terra USD. When you sign up, you're going to be getting a $40 USDC bonus and you're going to be able to very safely invest your different cryptocurrencies in this platform. There is no lockup. Money is compounded daily. There are no tiers and, and there are no CFI trading or lending fees. And I believe there's virtually no, virtually zero market risk because they have a lot of researchers on the back end that are helping to build this product. I actually got to interview the CEO, Maxim. Very solid guy. Really believe in his vision. And I really do believe that this is a solid company. We only do business and take sponsors from companies that we believe in. Mm -hmm. And we make sure that we know the CEO, that we know who's behind it, that we know the heart behind it. I talked a lot with Maxim about his vision, about why he founded the company, and about his heart. And he really just wants to help people be able to simply make gains in cryptocurrency. And I think that they have a very great product. You should check them out. CoinChange is linked in the description box down below. Tim, let's go ahead and move on here and talk a little bit about Strike. So you were at the talk with Jack Mallers. I unfortunately was not at that talk. What did Jack Mallers say? What was the announcement? And do you think that the buildup to Jack Mallers potentially announcing a partnership with Apple and then basically saying, yeah. forget you, Apple, we're going to go do our own thing, is what led to some of this drop in the price? I wanna, I'm going to say a little bit. I want to throw it to Smay because Smay knows more about Apple and everything else. And him and I have had some great conversations over the weekend about this. But, uh, you know, there, the first thing I'll say, and I, I put this on my Twitter, uh, he needs public speaking lessons. He just paced back and forth the whole time. And some people are like, oh, it's just his energy. Well, that's great. But, you know, communicate well. Like, he just, it was kind of distracting watching him go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But what I got, what I kind of walked away with, and again, I want to throw it to Smee to get his thoughts on this, is we all thought he was going to be announcing a partnership with Apple, Right. We had all those tweets that kind of teased a relationship with Apple. He used the Apple mission. He, he threw out a lot of things. I think in a nutshell, what that actually was, was a F you Apple. We're going to do this without you. Mm -hmm. Because what he announced was not a partnership with Apple, but a partnership with NCR. And I'll be honest, I need to learn more about NCR as a company. But it is the payment processing company for all of the major retail outlet stores, you know, Walmart, Target, CVS, Walgreens, Winn-Dixie. I mean, and these are stores I'm used to down here. But there's other – I mean, when if you can think of a store, Best Buy, that you're walking into and purchasing things. And I get it. Most people purchase things probably on Amazon. But there are still a lot of people that purchase things in stores. They're partnering with them. So that theoretically speaking, you can just straight up use your Bitcoin to pay for things. And this is the discussion we're having is where are the taxes? Where are the, what, what is the charge being happening there? Or is it incentivizing you to actually be able to use your Bitcoin? Because here's the thing. I think as soon as we start using Bitcoin is going to make a use case for politicians and, uh, and regulators to actually allow it to be used full force. But at this point, most people that are wise are saying, I'm not going to spend my Bitcoin. I'm not going to spend my appreciating asset on these temporary things. But with this, this, theoretically speaking, could I potentially move all my money into Bitcoin, let it sit there and continue to appreciate, but when I need to buy something, rather than having to leave a large amount of US dollars on the side just so I can keep on living and keep on purchasing what I need to purchase, I actually will be able to continue to have my money appreciate and when I need to use it, I can utilize it to buy goods. I think this is really interesting, but ultimately, like I said, in a nutshell, what Jack Mallers did that was huge was pretty much say F you Apple. Yeah, and that's a very big statement because what that means is that 
they're trying to build all of these payment systems without Apple Pay, which as we talked about, I didn't know this, has half a billion users. That's ridiculous. That is an insane amount of people. So Apple probably will end up adopting Bitcoin at some point, but I was a little skeptical that Jack Mowers was going to announce that because there, were not, there, was not an, there was not an official Apple representative at Bitcoin 2022 that we knew of. And also if they were going to announce something like that, Apple really likes to do everything in-house. You look at the M1 chip, one of their big um, uh, things that they've done recently is they brought central processing units in-house. May, am I wrong? I think they took that from Intel. They used yes. to have Intel chips in them. They want to bring things in-house, so they want to do things themselves. Well, and and, a, and AMD. And AMD. So, I didn't know they, they were, were getting AMD. their graphics uh, their graphics cards from AMD. Oh, I didn't know that they had brought graphics in-house. Yes. I thought that so, they had already no, done all, that. No, everything. Oh, okay. All their internals they are They did it at Apple. the same time. Okay, well, yes. that's my point. Apple's moving into this, and they have a word for it. You might know what it is. They have the, they're moving to this integrated system where they do everything in-house. Yeah. A lot of major companies, Tesla's trying to do the same thing. That's why they built their own batteries. It just reduces complexity. The point is, Apple is probably going to announce something like that on their own. And I do believe, mark my words, 90% likelihood in the next two years, Apple will announce Bitcoin adoption. We talked about all that in a different story. The um, point is, Tim, do you think, and Smay, you can add I, in I on this just, as yeah, well. Thoughts. Smay, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think that the market dropped as a result of Jack Mallers not announcing this? Was it a buy the rumor, sell the news event? Well, I think, well, just to kind of uh, modify something that Tim said. It wasn't actually just NCR. He, what the announcement was is that he came out and, and showed that there were several yeah. different payment That processes. was the big one. So, like, he basically had made it to where they they didn't really even need Apple Pay in the first place. They He pretty much mm-hmm. just showed that, like, now it's basically universal now. Uh, my concerns now, there, there's multiple concerns that I have with this in terms of in, in what it is. Now, first of all, this is a huge step for Bitcoin overall. Mm-hmm. But I think even in his little demo he did with his video, I got to be honest with you guys, it... it, it as much as it could have been a very neat f you to Apple, I think a- Apple just looked at that and said, <laughs> "Who cares?" Nice, because because nice. guess what? Apple Apple is already winning when it. First of all, you can't. They're not even using uh, NC uh, or near field communication NFC technology uh, in in that. It's a bar. It's a um, a um, QR code, right? That already makes it a little bit more just just a hair bit of a hassle when you're talking about pulling that up. The person on the register has to pull up the barcode. The, I mean, the QR code, flip the screen around, blah, blah, blah. Versus Apple Pay, you just go boop, just boop, boop. And there you go. I'm in and out. Yeah. You know, so the, it didn't really win in the usability standpoint. I think what you're looking at is it, it, it what his whole announcement predicated on was that it. And I, I think I, I saw somebody tweet about this was that it was it was to spite. Right. It was to spite the system. The only reason to Which use sounds like Jack Mallers. Yeah, to only you the only reason to even mm-hmm. actually use this. First of all, uh, there was a whole and I'm not even going to get into this because everyone knows this. Why would you spend your Bitcoin? This is not a good time to spend your Bitcoin. Bitcoin is very volatile. It's ve- it'd be very hard for you to move all your fiat into Bitcoin and try to do all that. You know, that, that there's that argument. I don't even want to go there. My argument is you, ease of use. And two, it's not a strong enough why of just to spite the centralized systems. If it's going to be a little bit more of a hassle to use it, then I don't think people are going to end up using it. Uh, and so I, I kind of see this for Apple as a big nothing burger. And I think Apple is eventually going to uh, do something of their own that will probably do well, it better. So That's that's the good thing. So this is also something we talked about. So I'll bring it back up. Yeah. Is what's good for anyone listening to this, to the average retail investor is what this is going to spark. This FU Apple, we're going to do this without you. We're going to do our own thing. You talked about this, May. Apple doesn't necessarily worry about being the first. No. They like to see technology that's utilized and then say, okay, now that I see it's possible, we'll just do it better and market it better, which for the consumer is 10 times better because now we have healthy competition. It's going to force them to work against each other to make sure that they have good pricing and, and better uh, ability. So the, what I'm excited about is, again, the the saying Apple reduce out you, Apple's going to figure out how to do this. That's what their MO is. They they do things later and they try to do it better. And now you, the consumer, will have two different phenomenal options to be able to uh, transact and, and actually use Bitcoin as currency. And I know some people don't want to, but that's my point is that if we're thinking that someday it will be used as currency, uh, there will be a time you have to spend it. And again, how many people right now, they can't invest in Bitcoin as much as they would want to because they got to leave a certain amount of cash on the side because they got to keep living. 
If we start seeing things happen where you can pay for your food, your groceries, your taxes, your housing, your yada yada in crypto, then why not move all your money from a depreciating asset to an appreciating asset Amen. in Bitcoin and utilize it like that? Well, I, I actually think the biggest argument for that is the volatility, right? The issue is, uh, but that'll overall, bring stability. Well, the, the and I think that's what Bitcoin needs yeah. ultimately. But it's not. It's going to be hard for the early adopters, right? Because next thing you know, I'm like because of the volatility of Bitcoin in the short term. Every month when I'm going to pay my bills in Bitcoin, I'm paying a different amount. You know, because yeah. my, my the the rent value is the same, but I'm having to pay different amounts because Bitcoin keeps yeah. going up and down. That becomes something that that becomes a big issue on that end. Uh, the way I see it is, it's almost like it's like giving an a, like an average like uh, high school basketball player a 30, uh, 30 yard head start on Usain Bolt. You know what I mean? Like Usain Bolt's still gonna win. You know, so it's like, yeah, you got the head start, so you're ahead but, for a second. Distance, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, you know, I'm saying you, you, you print the high schooler is gonna have uh, the be in the lead for a little bit, but next thing you know. You have Usain Bolt coming right from behind you. That's what Apple's can always done. They're very consistent about it. I think uh, in hindsight, the biggest clue, uh, I mean, uh, the thing is a lot of people say, well, Apple didn't deny the rumor. Yeah. Okay. First of all, Apple's, care. Apple never does that. That's like a part of Apple's operation. Like whenever uh, something leaks about an iPhone, technology, anything, they are a zero communication policy. They do not. The only two times you ever hear from Apple in a year is WWDC and then their their Apple event where they announced their new technology. That is the only two times you ever hear from Apple in the year, mm. basically, right? So ultimately, the fact, I think, first of all, the, the fact was that there was no, uh, there's nobody from Apple there. Uh, Apple is going to always going to be the ones to communicate it themselves. Uh, that is the first and foremost, the thing I think that makes it very clear in hindsight that it wasn't going to be Apple, an Apple announcement, unless it was a, a lesser Apple Pay partnership, which is not even that big of a deal. The second thing would have been that it we we need to now wait till the Apple event. What is Apple going to announce yeah. in response? Uh, and that's going to be what we're going to. I just stay don't know why for. Apple would partner with Strike. Why wouldn't why wouldn't they just do it themselves? You know, the Apple's yeah. wearables division is large it's enough true. to be a Fortune 50 company. Like that's how insanely massive Apple is. If they're going to do this on Apple Pay, why wouldn't they just do it all in house? No, and, and the the thing is, what's interesting is like a lot of these partnerships that Strike just announced, and it's great. Apple's got all this stuff in their pocket already. I mean, it's it, literally, it's a matter of a blink and they have all, all this stuff we just hyped about Strike getting partnered with. Boom. They've got all the, the resources they need to get the, their Bitcoin integration rolled out. So, uh, I mean, ultimately, I, I think that at this point, I, as much of a development in the space that was for Bitcoin, I actually kind of see that as this is not going to be felt for a very long time. You know, there's a comment right here that's also another great point. I forgot about the details of it. Troy Lindsay uh, just commented saying, as a small business owner who has paid 2 to 4% on every transaction and had to wait a week for settlement, this actually helps and will help the business owner more than the consumer. That was the other part of this yeah. is that it cuts out that waiting time. Like it's literally a, he showed in his example, and, and to your points, maybe it was a little more complicated than a simple Apple Pay, but he showed a very quick transition and it wasn't like, okay, as a credit card, this now has to be settled, has to go get tracked. The of banks course, have to confirm yeah. it. This is an instant, an instant uh, acceptance and ex instant settlement. 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 And, and so I think Troy is absolutely right. This is not just good for institutional people. And he's actually saying it's better for the business owner than institutional. Well, yeah. and, I think and we that know that's true because we have to pay two to four percent on transactions as well. So we're yeah. looking forward to the day where Bitcoin is being able to use as a payment processor where we don't have to do that. We when we take Bitcoin payments, we love it because we don't have to pay two to four percent to Stripe or PayPal who who does our business our, our payment processing. So yeah. that's a very good point. Well, I think. It, it it actually come but it's a good point in in the fact that it does it it's what jack was saying it's a superior payment network you know all this stuff it's great right but the issue is overall that if you can't if if you're only as the as the user right the the business is they're benefiting right but i that doesn't give me any reason as the user unless it's some kind of moral thing that i'm going to do it for, like to help the small business right but most people don't think like that a lot of people are very very self Mind it, you know. So it's like at the end of the day, I'm going to use whatever is the easiest, whatever works in my it, it, that I don't have to really even think about. And, and I think ultimately that's why there's going to be a lot of catching up to do. Strike still has to to solve. They have to first of all, I would say the first thing they need to do is implement uh, 
NFC technology. They need to make it easier at the checkout, first and foremost. And then you can start making the argument that overall, this is a better a better form payment system. I would even say, I don't think this is going to happen. I would love to see them potentially add a two-way uh, fiat kind of bridge to where it's like I can actually just have my my fiat money go through the Lightning Network, uh, be convert to Bitcoin, boom, convert back kind of thing. I think that would also be a great they, way. They announced it could be utilized almost any direction. Okay, well then there you go. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't hear that in the announcement. Yeah, no, it, but you, you can use fiat, you can use Bitcoin, you can use other altcoins that operate in a strike. I don't know what the deals with all those are, but it, it, you can turn fiat into Bitcoin, you can turn Bitcoin into fiat. It can go any direction. I didn't hear that in the announcement, but yeah. if that's the case, then that then that that I mean that's one piece. Now yeah. implement, make it easier. You know, that's because you, you've made it easy, you've made it beneficial for the business. That's great. Now the person needs to have a reason to use it yep. uh, more than just some moral high ground stance. Yep. So absolutely. Well, guys, thank you very much for all of that. That was a great conversation on Apple. I do look forward to the day when Apple steps into the space because, as someone said in chat earlier, a half a billion users is not something to scoff at. The fact of the matter is, what drives technological development is simplicity. Google has a two-click model. They want you to be able to get to any site in the internet with two clicks. Click the search bar, type it in, click your result. That's what they want you to be able to do. That is the same model and the same idea of this simplistic UI UX development that is going to lead Bitcoin to being very successful. So I completely agree with you, Smay. Whenever you see Bitcoin being able to be used as simply as fiat, adoption will take place lightning fast, no pun intended, and it will absolutely overwhelm the media. It's going to come so quickly. And as Kathy Wood said, I do completely agree that we will see a $1 million Bitcoin in 2022 dollars. I'm not talking about inflated $20, $30. I'm talking about in 2022 dollars, I think you're going to see a $1 million Bitcoin because of inflation it'll probably be two to three million dollars by the end of the decade you can quote me on that let's go ahead and move on to some super chats though because we have some to catch up on and we got five minutes left in the stream so let's do it quickly we had a little war uh, between matt c and tom wilkes <laughs> because matt c said no way i'm letting tom wilkes out super chat me ah, in all seriousness you, our time together in miami was special and i couldn't have enjoyed meeting you all more our friendships have been bonded hmm. much love for this group and i wanted to shout out because you shout out tom wilkes matt c also and I don't, you weren't able to join us for that one matt c paid for dinner so oh. Thank you, there's Matt. a there's a little a little race for Tom Wilkes and Matt C to become favorites. Oh my gosh! Uh, I think is it developing right now. Oh but well, they're not. It doesn't fa- matter because we love they're you They're not both. favorites because of the money they give. They're we favorites just love because you they're both. awesome people. And, and, and love you guys. It two of the greatest guys to just sit down and have yeah. a conversation with. Both uh, business owners. So again, for me personally, getting to talk to them and chew their brain because you know I've been doing technical analysis now for over a year and I've been studying crypto, but but to get to hear their knowledge of just their life experience and how they've run their business because mm-hmm. we're still running a business it it was uh, just an amazing time i'm so glad i got to meet them but again i told you there's a little war because tom wilkes uh, donated saying i'm sending my height in dollars and cents Mm -hmm. only so i don't have to mention that i didn't have a server bring me a booster seat Uh, (laughs) that's that's pretty funny that's an inside joke right there uh all right barry harris (laughs) oh gosh barry harris said uh you can also use fiat across Lightning Network for proof of stake transactions. There you go. I think it's. I think it means point of sale transactions. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're yeah, used to we're used stake. to we're used to proof of stake. Uh, by, I just point of sale. He saw my point of sale. But yeah. I like that you just went with it as if it made sense. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just went with it. Sometimes yeah. You, you know, when read. Bitcoin's on as proof of stake, you know, protocol, it just, I, we just we just strike. Can I just say I I did not catch that part, so I will admit that I was being a goober when I I said if that's already the case, that's great, and I can now. I can see a little bit more, especially why people are excited about it. I think still there's it's the ease of use the the demonstration. I just think it, it's got there's got to be a better reason for just the average person to use it. So yeah, I agree with that. That does make a lot of sense. Well, guys, let's go ahead and see. Tim Smay, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap the stream out on Bitcoin 2022 on the effect that it's had? Yeah. And actually, Tim, you also want to mention some on-chain metrics real quick that we can just rattle off at some people. Well, no, I, the on-chain that I saw that was really significant. That people need to know if people are worrying about again crash is a hard word but some people are viewing it that way we're continuing to see the the money come off of exchanges people and bulls are continuing to pull their money off exchanges which means we have less liquid supply we're moving it to illiquid supply which is a bullish sign that they're going to hold their ground the price will go back up last thing i was going to say is you know for anyone wondering out there was this crash due to because we kind of discussed it was this due to the conference because i've heard people be out there saying every single conference the price crashes i just want to let you guys know that's not true 
2019, the price actually peaked on the last day of the conference for the whole year of 2019. We didn't have a 2020 conference due to the pandemic. 2021, yes, we were kind of in a sideways moving action. The price did come down during the the um, during the conference. And then we just saw the price come down during this conference. But guys, that's only three data points. And first of all, we also, I'm not going to credit this drop in price or this crash, however you want to call it. I think it's more of a dip to the conference and the buy the rumor, sell the news or whatever you want to say. It actually, that Fed news, I, we've talked about this before in previous videos. Jeb actually just released a roadmap video. Go back and watch about the rest of your Bitcoin. And one of his points was we got to keep an eye on what the Fed ends up doing. And we know that while inflation of the US dollar is good for Bitcoin's price because it sends people over. When the Fed actually starts to give power back to the dollar, starts to do things like what it just did with, they're talking about more significant height rakes and uh, 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 rate hikes. It's a morning. And they're talking about uh, everything that they're doing is it, it is something that's going to temporarily suppress the price of Bitcoin. But here's what I will say in case you guys are worried about this. This is the whole reason Bitcoin is here. It's not just a fight against inflation for right now, because we've seen that. We've seen when the US dollar gets inflated, the Bitcoin price goes up. It's a hedge against it in the long run. And so what people are gonna learn to realize is, even though the Fed is trying to fix the US dollar, the US dollar is broken. It's going downwards. It's time to continue to move. It's time to move your fiat money into US uh, into sorry into Bitcoin, and guess what? These low prices are just giving you great buy opportunities on sale. When the price does go, you'll be more than happy. Please, 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 within your risk tolerance. Do not FUD out of the market. All I have to say is that I agree with Unsavory Flint. We need to increase the rate Americans are hiking. That is a very good point. And also, thank you very much for the donation from Jeriza1105. We very much appreciate that. Guys, it is time to wrap this stream. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to smash that like button. Check out our sponsors, iTrust Capital and CoinChange. Both of them phenomenal, phenomenal products, phenomenal teams. We got to meet both of the teams behind both of those companies. They do great things. Check them out down below. And make sure you tune in tomorrow because we will be going live at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time all week, all year, for the rest of time. I don't know how long, but we will be bringing you more content. we got more technical analysis on-chain and fundamental metrics to bring you. Kelly's going to be on the show tomorrow, so you know it's going to be interesting and nerdy. I love whenever Kelly comes on the show because we get to see a lot of cool charts, and I'm looking forward to that. So make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Make sure to follow us on social media at CryptoJeb over on Instagram and Twitter at CryptoJebOfficial over on TikTok. Before I go, though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching. As always, and I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. Oh, I got a real good feeling. Got a real good feeling. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJet. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at McPhee Media.